because my toes have been bruised in the last several months or years of the Holy Spirit jumping on me on certain topics. Uh, so I want to share my pain with you today. That's basically what it is, right? So we are going to talk today about unity being the only opportunity during this time. You know, 2020, as we know, we've, we've had, um, yes, there it is, unity is the only opportunity. You know, in 2020, it's been, it's affected everybody, our, our rhythms that we had every day in our life, right? Our rhythms were interrupted daily, weekly, and now it may even look like a year of interruptions. You know, it's tough. All the noise that's going on out and around us, you know, and trying to stay focused and what we need to do as not only believers, but being part of a church as well. You know, I really want to speak to the Christians and obviously the ones that are in the room here and then even online. Thank you again for joining us. We want to talk about Christians that feel they're a part of Faith Christian Center. If you're not a Christian, it's not a religion. It's just a relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, during these times, I don't know how people (laughs) get by without having Christ in their life. And as we're that beacon, I don't know why it's not so hard to shine sometimes. But I really want to talk that, you know, and again, I'm honored to be here, but I'm going to step on some toes today because that's what the Holy Spirit's been dealing with me, and I feel I want to share it. So let me break down what I want to talk about today. Obviously, talking about the church community. That's what we are. Individuals collectively coming together and the importance of unity in that. Then I want to talk quickly about us as individuals and how we should hold and strive for unity because it would just trickle down from what we're hearing here, I hope, right? And into our dear lives. Then I want to talk about three major opportunities, and this is where the toes jump and stepping on toes may come, that I see right now that, um, you know, puts us in a fork in a road as a church to go left or right, to head down the path of unity, which is a narrow road as we know or to just float and take the easy right road uh, over issues and different things and and totally miss the idea of opportunity, of getting into unity. And I want to talk about a major speed bump in our lives as individuals. It happens, even with the best intentions, that hold us back from seeking unity first before anything else. So this is a jump up and down, praise the Lord message. Yeah, let's keep going, Brother Chris. Yeah, whatever. Um, So as a Christian, we should be focused on unity at all times. Thank you. And especially in these times, it should also be our cry. So as an illustration, I can think if I say the word focus, probably most of us, or at least me, it looks like I'm sitting down at a desk in a peaceful situation really focused on something. Cry, when I say the word cry, usually means there's a situation around me. Whether I'm in a crowd or in a storm, which we've had many of them this year, right? But unity, we know what it is, but it's the importance of needing to be reminded, and hopefully today and hopefully over the other pastors here, of actually how important it is that we actually need to have it in our lives and be striving for it. Definition of unity, this is straight out of the dictionary. I'm a definition guy, you've got to bear with me. The state of being together or joined as a whole. Tony Evans, everybody knows Pastor Tony Evans. He does a great 
few paragraphs here of summing up unity. So please listen to this. Unity is critical, he says. Divide and conquer in war. This strategy forces the enemy to divide their defenses and leave them vulnerable. Satan uses the same tactics against the church. He seeks to divide and conquer because he knows that a disunified church is a weak church. He goes further. Unity. So he gets into defining it. Unity is a group of people who share purpose, vision, and direction. Not about being exactly the same. Thank you. My wife knows me too much. I need to blow my nose, I guess. I'm sorry. (laughs) Thank you. Boy, I was at a good point, too. I didn't interrupt it. So let me do this again. Unity is a group of people who share purpose, vision, and direction. Not about being exactly the same, but about advancing towards the same goal, in this case, building his kingdom on earth. Unity is not uniformity. It is not. A standard definition of opportunity. Let's talk about opportunity because those are the two big words I'm talking about today. Unity is the opportunity. So the definition of opportunity is a set of circumstances that make it possible to do something. And I like to add, opportunity is not a what-if mental ascension. Like, what if? Opportunity invites you to make change and do something, right? So let's talk about the the church and unity as a whole. I think it was the um, late 70s or um, late 70s or early 80s. Everybody remember this commercial. There's like a whole bunch of people on a hill, all right, of different races, nations, short, tall, medium, large people, all sitting on this hill, like 100 people. And the soundtrack is, what the world, I won't sing it, needs now is love, sweet love. So how did that commercial, which was just pushing a product, which was Coca-Cola, every time that aired, Coke sales increased by at least 15 or 20% in that campaign. So if an ad agency has the ability and understanding of unity, because that's what visually was there and the soundtrack was playing that, if it has that, how much more should the church have it and understand that? Unity is the opportunity during these unstable times. The enemy loves when people are unjoined and not a part of something greater than themselves. I'm going to say that again. The enemy loves when we are unjoined and not a part of something greater than ourselves. What is, as a church, the tangible representative of something greater than ourselves? That's what I'm looking at right now. It's the community. That's our tangible representation. Right? Definition of community, right? We are a church community. A group that has a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. What's our common attitudes? We were sinners saved by grace, right? What's our interest? To walk together alongside one another in good times and bad. And what's our goal? to come together as a church community to help affect the world around us for Christ. Simply is it. That is your community, your tangible thing that we walk into every time here. 
if we don't truly see ourselves as part of a community, how can we ever see the opportunity to be in unity? Psalms 133, 1 through 3. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Excuse me. Let's talk about the power of unity because there's got to be a reason to be in unity, not to just say we are. I think I have. It's a little string. See these strands here? Would you say they're together? Not really, right? We know this. A great example is a string. Threads apart can't do too much, right? But threads together, gosh darn it, can be a great bookmark. No, I'm just kidding. This is a bookmark. But it can do things. It can hold things together. It can accomplish far more than without being a part in itself. One great example, excuse me. How can we not talk about the power of unity without talking about Acts chapter 2? Here you have these disciples that were told to wait in the upper room. And what does it say in there before heaven came down? They were in what? One accord, unity. Unity in one accord was the catalyst that day to bring heaven down. It wasn't that they had the same belief system. They agreed that my blue toga is better than that toga. It had nothing to do with that. It had to do with the unity of what they were for the greater purpose sitting in that room. And when heaven came down, it wasn't got come down just to fill the light in the upper room and make everybody feel warm and fuzzy. What happened? It poured out into the streets. And that's what God wants to demonstrate here at Faith Christian Center. It needs to pour out into the streets. But it ain't going to happen if none of us are in unity. I'm stepping a little bit. And I'm growing in this. I have not perfected this by any means, but we bless you. We need to grow in unity. So imagine if the church, imagine if these neighbors, it poured out onto Sagamore, Whatever other roads, I don't even know off the top of my head, are right then and there. That's what God wants to do, but it can't happen without unity. So the disciples were, you know, yelling in the streets, no, you're seeing the kingdom of God at hand here today. These guys aren't drunk, just running around speaking in tongues and different languages. You're seeing the Holy Spirit. And almost 3,000 people got saved that day. And that's pretty effective. Can we be, get there? I know we need unity to get there. Jesus calls us the bride of Christ. God, excuse me, calls us the bride of Christ. How can we even not stand at an altar to be a bride of Christ if we're not in unity? And again, I know you guys know what unity is, but it's so important, and especially in this noisy time, to understand that as a church, that we need to do that. Unity helps amplify our hearing and increases our vision. It does. It is so powerful. I mean, God knew how powerful unity was to work against him, the Tower of Babel, right? I'm just going to read a few, just one little 
thing here. I don't want to go through all of Genesis 11, 1, 11, 1 verse 9. But it starts out again in Genesis 11, 1 verse 9. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, this is where it got good, talking amongst themselves, come, let's make brick and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. They just see that alarm God's hearing right then and there. So they may, they will make a name for themselves. How many know that pride was probably the first brick they were building right there, making a name? And it goes further. I'm not going to have time to go through the entire, entire story here. But as we know, God knew about that, gave them all different languages, and they scattered because he even knew that in his creation there's a potential to have that power and unity. The church's best days are ahead of us still. A dying world needs us, but they need to see unity along the way. Let's talk about unity as an individual, because that should trickle down again from the church if we are part of a church community. When Christ was walking here on earth, his underlying anthem was unity, to reconcile people back to him and speak the truth of his Father. If we follow him or call ourselves Christ followers, (laughs) it has to be on our agenda, right? Unity is not subject to timelines, not subject to conditions, but subject to the heart, plain and simple. And Christ knew that. And the content of individual Christians and unity, I'm going to start stepping now. As Christians, being right on something sometimes may need to die at the cross, sometimes, for the heart of truth to help bring unity. We live in a vacuum, our culture. Everybody has to being right, being wrong. But we don't really understand that as Christians, it's really about truth. Because the problem is, I'm stepping, the problem is when we get too lost in being right or falling victim of being wrong, in this type of culture, there's too much of us in that right or wrong. Too much of that. Some may not understand that. Some may say, wait a minute, you you always want to be right and not wrong. I'm not trying to rewrite the golden rule. I'm talking about spiritual values here and trying to bring unity as we as Christians are to try and reconcile people back to Christ. I mean, you look at it in the garden. It started, it started early. It's not our fault. It's Adam and Eve's fault, right? <laughs> I mean, when the serpent came up, a.k.a. Satan, and ask them to answer the question, did God say? Immediately, as an individual, Adam or Eve, were being asked to validate an already made truth. And it brought their individual opinions into the matter. How much of that are we doing since then? 
We all have good intentions, but that's the way division can get created very easily. If you don't understand this, most of your life is going to be majoring in these minor things. And you wonder why I haven't moved. Where's where's the unity I'm trying to do or, or get involved in? Whenever I get into a place, or most times, if I remember, and the Holy Spirit nudges me, you know, whether I'm going to give my opinion or whatever, things like that. You know, I remember, uh, I think it was Christ said, and it was Luke, uh, Luke 6, Luke 6, 20, I believe. And I mentioned this before. It's a powerful passage that he's talking about. He says, blessed are they whew, that are poor in spirit. Doesn't mean I can't afford anything in my spirit. I'm poor. That's not what it means. It means my spirit is only attached to one thing. It hasn't overspent in other areas. It's attached to one thing, and that's the Word of God, and that's simply it. So it's a great scripture to navigate you back to the truth and be on course if you're looking to be involved in unity as an individual. Most everything we encounter today, tomorrow, next week, that begs for your your voice into something, there's an answer in the Word of God that could be put in its place. There is. Sometimes that answer is not easy. Sometimes it's to shut thy mouth, right? I've had to do that many times. Like, wait a minute, i got a scripture I can put towards that and make everything right and blah, 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 and look right. But sometimes it's just being quiet. Being quiet can speak volumes too. Jesus said in Matthew 24, we know this well, heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will always remain. If that's our compass, our true north to everything that we want to walk in truth, it's got to be what our hearts is set apart. So in my heart... Is if my heart is set towards unity with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, we're just trying to get right in here right now. If I'm going to repeat this. If my heart is set towards unity with my brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ, then I cannot wrong many people while I'm trying to prove what side I'm right on. What damage is being done at that point? How many times was Jesus wronged when he was in ministry? <laughs> tend to don't lose track of that. Many times when he was called out, did he come up and defend himself? The biggest one we all know very well, his walk towards Calvary. How many people were yelling at him, denying that he is, he is even the Messiah, and he kept his focus for you guys, right, for us, me, to head towards Calvary. He was wronged a few times along the way. But he knew what truth was at that point, and he only did what his father told him to do. And at the end of the day, those people that were saying, trying to wrong him, he was dying for them as well on the cross at the same time. We have to understand that. When's the last time you're walking up to Calvary and you, you feel like you're going to wrong somebody back or somebody? I mean, I don't think you've been there yet. Let's talk about uh, Ephesians 4.13. Until we reach 
unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure and fullness of Christ. Unity in the faith. As Christians, we need to trust God a little more in certain areas that we might become uncomfortable in. Because let's say most of the time when we need to prove something, we're uncomfortable in something. They usually go hand in hand, very powerful. But you want to gravitate towards that fullness of Christ and trusting God, because that's where he does work when you're uncomfortable. We weren't born into comfort. That's why we need a comforter, right? The Holy Spirit. So people that have wakes around them, not funeral wakes, wakes, meaning ripple wakes, or they tend to leave confusion around them. If I go back to Ephesians 4.13, I wonder how much the maturity is in there. Sorry, stepping on toes. How much is that maturity? Because they're looking for their voice or opinion to be right so many times. If a brother and sister in Christ, even in this very room, says something that pricks you or doesn't lead towards unity, <laughs> supposed to be on our knees praying for him. <laughs> Why do we fight back? Sorry, I get emotional about this sometimes. Why do we fight back? We're commanded not to. Love our neighbors, especially the ones in this room. So if somebody wrongs me, I should be on my knees praying for them. It's not easy. It's not my natural nature to do that, right? Because we were all sinners at one point. But we should be praying for them. Not only praying for them, but also we need to be looking in the mirror too. So we're not, we're not excluded of never causing trouble ourselves if somebody's the loudest in the room. We need to be also appraising ourselves as well, but we need to pray for those that are tr- either hurt us or just offend us or whatever, you know, because God, last time I checked, died for them just as much as he died for you. So imagine, and it's true, the God of all the universe created you and I, wants us to represent him to our neighbors and in this room. I heard somebody say this once, representing Christ, really all that is, and it's very important, is you are representing Christ. Christ, when he was on the earth, presented himself. So we are behind him representing Christ. That's powerful, and that's in a daily walk that we need to have. Pastor John talks about this a lot in John 13. The world will know us by the love we have for one another. Let's go to John 17. This kind of follows up with what Christ did for us on the cross and unity as well. John 17, 20 through 20, excuse me, 20 through 23. I'll read it this way. It's a better version. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, meaning unity, as your Father are in me, 
I in you, I, they also may be one in us. Talking about that collective unity. That the world may believe that you sent me. So Jesus is talking to his father that way. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. So there can be a perfection when we're in unity. And the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Powerful time, powerful verse, Christ is talking to God. So if we're supposed to represent Christ, we should be walking in that same thing. Philippians 2, 3, verse 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition oof, or conceit. Conceit's a great thing because it's covered up quite a bit. But in lowliness of mind, let each of us esteem others better than ourselves. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, whoa, we're getting too far here, but also for the interest of others. Something to chew on. Humility. We know about it. Humility is a great practice if you're looking to build unity, whether in the church, your friends, your father, mother-in-law, anybody. Building unity. Paul continued to write all through Ephesians, Galatians, in all these books in the New Testament about pleading with the church how important unity is. And most of that, if we got in unity, they wouldn't be going through all these internal issues that he called them out on. So let's get into opportunity. We talked about unity. I know you guys have known it, but and it's how vitally it is important. But let's talk about opportunity. The definition of opportunity, as I said earlier, is a set of circumstances that make it possible to do something. Let's go to Galatians 6.10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us be good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Christian Center, right? Something to think about. Ephesians 5.16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. How many think the days are evil? Getting pretty close, right? One of the things, even with the unity of the church, and I failed to mention, is we, we know when Jesus said, I will build this church so the gates of hell may not prevail. How close are we hearing those gates right now? But he has confidence in us because he knows he said that, that evil will not take over the church. But we've got to stay in unity, right? All right, I want to get into three areas that I think that are opportunities, forks in the road for Faith Christian Center to take a left or to the right. Let's say the left is unity. It's a very narrow path. The right might be a broader path, but usually it's pretty lonely down there, I heard. There's three things that I wanted to talk about. One has existed for a long period of time. And due to time, I'm not going to go in details of all these three things. Is injustice 
and racism. Oh, no, here we go again. Injustice and racism. I'm talking about it from our brothers and sisters in Christ that are either in this room or, or online that attend our church. I'm not talking about things outside the church because we can't even think of that until we get it right in here. How can you? So how, whew, I'm trying not to get emotional. How can we think, don't worry, I'm staying on the word for some people. How can we think that I'm sitting next to one of my black brothers and sisters and I know they've never had injustice or racism put on them in their life? Because they're a Christian? These are subconscious things that we become ignorant in our minds. Does that help unity if I want to live in that ignorance for the rest of my life? No. All over the Word of God says we need to come together in unity. Last time I checked, Christ was pretty much preaching in communities. He didn't build a big church and say, come see me. Or in the synagogue, he didn't hang, you know, people didn't come to see him. He was out in the community. So how much more we see in Scripture that he was dealing with different social issues. I'm not saying we need to get through the social issues right now. But I'm just saying we've got to understand in this place, there may be some black brothers and sisters that may have experienced this. And somebody may say, well, God's fighting their battles. Yeah, he will. He doesn't like injustice. But if we want unity in this room, we've got to try and come to an understanding with them and come alongside them. Pastor John said this, too, before. It's nothing new. But there's an ignorance. I was there, too. I'm guilty. Look, white guy, I'm, I'm guilty. I am guilty of this, of an ignorance that, oh, we have so much beautiful diversity right now that it can't be happening because it doesn't happen in the sanctuary, maybe. These are small little ignorances that we can have, and it doesn't help build unity. Everybody still like me for a minute? It doesn't build unity. <laughs> I'll be done in a minute. We have the church, especially non-denominationals and maybe denominationals, we have taken the word injustice and racism and politicized them. For the simple fact, and it may not have been intentional, that we can't talk about this because then we're getting into politics. It is not a political thing. It's a human condition. This is a human condition that we need to come alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm just talking about in this room first. Let's get this right and pray for them. Number two. Masks, face coverings. Pastor John alluded to it a little bit in the video. I'm not saying what's right or wrong. Again, last time I was, I'm separate, here we go, here's the toes. I'm not saying what's right or wrong, um, even though I remember being told by some officials that know what they're talking about, I think, that said we wear face masks to help protect people that might have low immune systems or up in age that are around us. So we don't do it for our own self, really. So that's my belief. But here's the thing. Satan is laughing. He's laughing. Because here's the thing. We're, minoring in the, we're majoring in the minor right now. Because what's really happening is there's the side of mask and no mask. 
right? And Pastor John talked about that. And it's keeping some people from entering this room. And Satan is loving it because it's a small divisive way to do that while we're too much focusing on that. It's not about what's right and wrong right now. It's like, but we're too majoring in this minor because what's eventually going to happen is Satan wants us to move all online, right, and have convenient church. Again, it serves its purpose when it needed to. And we are fishers of men, and we have to throw as many rods out in the ocean to get people in. But if you are not here because of one of those issues, and again, medical issues, I absolutely understand. I'm not talking about that. But if you're not here because of the left or the right of mask or not wearing, Satan has won because you're not here. Yes, we can't. Who saw Nacho Libre? Nacho Libre movie? Critically acclaimed movie. There's a point where Nacho Libre was writing a love letter to the sister. The sister. And at the, end, at the ending, he's like, little hug, big kiss, kiss, little hug, kiss, kiss, I love you. We can't hug and kiss in this, all right? People that didn't see Nacho Libre won't laugh. I understand. It's funny. Watch the movie part. But he's just, he's writing to another sister that he loves and But anyhow, we can't, I know we can't hug and kiss and engage while we're here, but we're still in the same room. We're still in the same room being the community, the church community. So I would warrant you, I would say, why are you not here? Again, what Pastor John said, leaders in the church, we have agreed to do two services. Not looking for a symphony or a violin to come out, but that means we work twice on a Sunday. But we're going to do it in the name of unity to bring people together to get them in the doors. And that's simply it. Well, I'm stepping still. Then there's these other things, these conspiracies. Okay? Some of them may be true in this environment we are. You're absolutely right. But some of them are distractions. They're a distraction, different conspiracies. Somebody invented this, the virus came from this, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And some of them may be true, but what are they? As Christians, if we're focusing on them, we are creating division amongst ourselves. Because I may be in a different place than you are. It's not about who's right or wrong. What's truth at that point? The truth is, hey, newsflash, everybody's into news. Revelations is in motion. It's coming. The book of Revelations is coming. But what does that mean? Then I should be running out saying the sky is falling with Chicken Little's head cut off, but doing it to not say, watch out because this guy's conspiracy, to doing it to say, you need to be in the altar right now and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior because the end times are coming in a loving way, in truth. Christ only spoke truth in love. He did not jump on a banister and yell and do all that. But that, yes, the sky is falling, okay? Maybe these things are true, but then are you doing what God's calling you to do right now? And as a church and being in unity, that is the birth best protection you need to be in right now don't be out on your own last but not least number three critics like peanut butter needs jelly critics need leaders some of you will get that and again leaders are not exempt from accountability we all make mistakes drop the ball we do a lot of things that we, did, we wish we would have changed and things like that. But critics, you need to be careful with critics that are criticizing not just FCC but other churches right now. 
at the heart of it, it's meant to divide and not unite. At the heart of it. If it's really true what they're saying, God will get involved. Don't worry. God is a God of justice, like we said with injustice. God will get involved. But are you creating more waves and confusion? Like I said, I would question your maturity in this situation. We can be fruit inspectors. We can't judge them. Right? We need to pray for them. But if you are going to listen to critics to absorb it, digest it, and have it come into your soul and then into your spirit, inspect the fruit. Inspect the fruit. So, you know, I'm not judging, but is, is a critic that's saying this, have they ever, how's their church going? Have they led a church yet? No, probably not. <laughs> and at the end of the day, what I said earlier, we need to be praying for them. Not backlashing, saying, you're wrong, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm right. We need to be praying for them and spending most of our time thinking about them when we are on our knees. Back to this one, I forgot, I skipped some notes here. So I heard one pastor say as it had to do with online um, service. So no offense to those watching online right now, but the reality is online service is like drinking decaf coffee. You're not getting the full effect. Okay? You're not getting the full effect. We all know this, but life is way too short, right? It really is. Majoring in these minors. It really is. So I have this story I'm going to read. It's funny, but again, I've been accused of having a warped sense of humor, but... So follow me. This is about missed opportunities. Again, that's every day in front of you about building unity. Here we go. This is a story of a young man who wished to marry the farmer's beautiful daughter. He went to the farm to ask her his permission, meaning the father. The farmer looked all over, looked him all over, excuse me, and responded, "Son, go stand out in that field." And I'm going to release three bulls, one at a time. If you can catch the tail of any one of those three bulls, you can marry my daughter. Seems pretty simple, right? So the young man stood out in the pasture in the field waiting for the first bull. The barn door opened up wide and out ran the biggest, meanest looking bull he had ever seen in his life. He decided that that bull was not for him he'll let that pass by the next bull will be the one he'll probably take so he ran back over to the side and the nether bull came out the barn door opens up again and unbelievably he had never seen anything so big and fierce in his life the second bull it stood pawing the ground looking at him grunting slobbering as it was eyeing out this boy in the pasture he said to himself, whatever the next bull was like, I had to be, it has to be a better choice than the second bull. So he ran to the fence and let the second bull pass by and go into the pasture and out past the gate. So here comes the third one. The door opens up a third time. A smile came across the young man's face. This was the weakest, scrawniest little bull he had ever seen in his life. This was his bull. As the bull came running by him, he positioned himself just right and jumped at the exact moment. And when he went to grab the tail, there was no tail. 
he missed the opportunity. Had three, he had two of them that probably had tails in the last bowl out of ten. So don't waste opportunities is technically the moral of that story because it's very important. You know, sometimes we... Oh boy, it's going to move it along. Sometimes we, and as individuals, don't want to respond to things or get involved in things, and maybe with those three issues I've talked about... Um, because we want to get our facts straight. You know, we're learning that we're living in a fast-paced world. And if you are praying every day and, and listening to the Holy Spirit every day and reading your word, I would encourage you that those first reactions you get in your spirit to things are probably the right reaction. I want to say this, too. I mean, here's a great example. When Christ was on the cross, he had a man to the left and to the right. Please understand the context I'm about to bring. To the left or the right. In the scripture, it didn't say, and he was all about unity, he didn't start asking the, people, the man to the left or the right, what's your political affiliation? How did you get here? He looked beyond all of that and went straight for the heart. And out of it, one of them actually came into paradise with him. So don't always just, if you are following the Holy Spirit in the Word, plugged into a church, because that is a big thing too, then that first reaction is usually the right reaction. Don't slow down. Wait to get all your facts straight. Respond to certain things. And the response is only pointing not the finger, but pointing to him that we do that. John 3.30 says what? We know this. I must, he must increase, yeah, all the way around. <laughs> and I must decrease, right? Seek unity, seek unity. So we've got to move it along. So here's one of the things that, that lives inside of us sometimes, and if we don't appraise it, this will stop us from growing in unity. Can you put that picture up I had? I don't know where you're going to put it. So, those look like fences, right? But inside of us, they're called offenses. We can get offended very easily if we're not checked in different situations. And many of the responses that we major in minor things is because we have so much fencing in the yard of our heart, huh? So it looks neat, though, because if I was going to say... You know, which uh, if I had to take one offense, what's going to be the easiest offense that I can maybe um, have God work in my life and take down? Some of us would say, hey, man, it's got to be the one on the left. There's so much transparency there. But I would say to you, it's not really transparent. Those are steel wires. Those don't come down easy. Or you have the stockade fence. At least you know you're an offense. It's pretty darn easy, right? But these fences, if they are in your heart, stop you from receiving correction, stop you from actually being an effective Christian to respond to certain things in your life. So if you have to take the, the fence down, the quickest way to take the, 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 bar, the, the metal fence, I mean, it is one click at a time. 
But when you're going to, when the Holy Spirit says, man, you got an offense and everybody knows it and it's right in front of you, those are easier to take down. That's just a chainsaw or a buzzsaw going right down the middle of that stockade fence and we are done. But with this other fence that is twiddled in with pride, insecurity, and fear, that takes some more time. But if you carry offenses, it is not going to help you grow in unity. You need to look in the mirror every day. You really do. So unity is the opportunity, especially in 2020. There is no other opportunity. Giving your opinions, doing this and that. It is to bring in the unity, especially at Faith Christian Center. It is vitally important because if we can do that, we can be the bride of Christ. We can do what Christ has called us to do as a church. And it's vitally important. Somebody said this one time, too, as individuals. Andy Stanley said this once. How do people experience you? Just ask that question. In every arena of life that you're in. Are there some air spaces you can't come into because you've caused too many wakes or things? We have to be able to walk into any room in our life and represent Christ. We have to be. And get the offenses out of your life if you can. I'm not talking about the offenses that come up by abuse. I mean, those are real. And those need a lot of faith and God and Holy Spirit and counseling to work that through. There are offenses that come up by abuse. And that is true. But I'm talking about these ones that we just build ourselves on a Sunday morning or on a Monday afternoon all by ourselves to keep things out. So I do want to wrap up getting back to it. I mean, we need church unity. If you want to be part of a church community, which is the most tangible thing that is greater than yourself on planet Earth right now, you need to plug in and learn that unity, that we are far better together than apart. Far better together than apart. We may not agree on everything. Unity, like Tony M. says, is not, unity is not uniformity, okay? But it is being part of something greater than ourselves. As individuals, we got to, that trickles down to us of representing Christ every day. And there may be some sacrifices in your life to make that happen because it's not natural for us to not respond or not wanting to prove I'm right more than I'm wrong. But the Holy Spirit will work with you. Michael Jr. said this in a Sunday message he did a long time ago. He said, and listen to this, digest it, especially with people in church. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. Some will get that. If I'm too busy talking about the sacrifice I may have to make for a church fellow or anybody in church or my individuals, then I'm losing the whole point of what has been obedient, what God has said in my life, to be in unity. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. God can work with obedience. All these promises of Psalm 103, it's not coming because I'm just hanging out every day and not being intentional in my Christian walk. It's because I've been obedient in what I need to do. So I encourage you to pray about this. I want to end with a song real quick. I know we're running late. Boy, I didn't know I'd go late. I know I've done this before. I'm not going to sing it. You can be aware of that. But this is so important right now. Because every day you wake up in the morning, you have the cure for what's going on in this world. Every, every day. You wake up, you've got it. You've got the cure. It's Jesus Christ inside you that will build the unity in the church, that will build it in us as individuals in our daily life. So here is a song that should hit home, hopefully. We are all related, brothers and sisters, strangers, the king, the beggar. We all bleed the same. 
We all got the sickness, a terminal condition. We medicate it, but it won't go away. See the eyes of a million faces, looking for in a million places. Only one can save us, Jesus. You are the cure. Everybody is searching for it. Everybody's reaching out, trying to grab a hold of something real. You are the cure. Only you can satisfy us, fill up the void inside us. Never been a heart you could not heal. Chew on that. We're not called to change minds. We're called to have Christ come in and change their hearts. You are the cure. You are the doctor, the healer, the father. To the orphan without a home, we fell into darkness, lost till you found us. You are the remedy we are looking for. You are the cure. And it goes on and on, but that's powerful. We need to understand that we have the cure living inside of us. And he is the cure. Hopefully you got something out today. We're going to pray. Thank you. And just Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today, Lord. And I just trust that my words weren't here to convince anyone's mind, but they were just your words to pierce people's hearts where they may need piercing. Lord, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ loving one another in this room. And there is no condemnation, no condemnation if we're walking in you. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, give us that daily understanding of how important unity is, Lord. Not just as the church, but in our own lives. How many people can we affect for you? And Lord, that we do understand that together we are so better. And we are your church, the bride of Christ. Lord, Holy Spirit, if you need to grow and puncture us and step on our toes, we give you free reign, Lord. Make us grow in these times, Lord. When it's so noisy, Outside, you will always be, always be the Prince of Peace that are in our lives, Father God. And let us learn to commit to growing every day and understanding and learning that unity is so important. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I did want to take the time really quickly if there's anybody in this room. I know we're really talking from a perspective of being a Christian. And-